Morning, everyone. You warm enough? I was going to, you know, I sometimes suggest turn around and greet one another. I was going to, I was sitting there debating, should I encourage people to turn around and give one another a wee hug? <laughs> but I'm not going to. <laughs> the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. I know I'm in danger of sounding like a broken record or a buffering download. But if you've been about Windsor, uh, or around Windsor for any length at all, length of time at all, you, you'll be familiar with this phrase because I do say it a lot. And the reason I say it a lot is, is because it's true. The heart is the control center, or, or it's the parliament, heard that phrase yesterday, of our lives. And, and the state and the condition of in here profoundly affects and impacts each and every area of our lives. Yesterday, uh, a group of men from this church joined about a thousand other men from various churches at a conference in Spires about guarding your heart. It, it was taken by Vaughan Roberts, and it was excellent. And we were challenged by that gem of biblical wisdom, th that kind of critical Old Testament proverb and my life verse, as many of you know, above all else, guard your heart. For it affects everything you do. Or it is the wellspring of life. In other words, all the issues of life gush forth from this internal well. Now, when it comes to money and our attitude towards it and what we do with it, this phrase is particularly relevant and helpful. In fact, you could maybe put it like this, the heart of the money matter is the matter of the heart. Last week, we, we started a new series called Money Talks. And if you were here, what I tried to do was explain why we're looking at this subject. And then I kind of laid down or shared two foundational principles. The first was that God is generous. And if we get that, if we realize that, if we accept that, if we understand that, if we believe that, then his generosity will shape our generosity. And what we do about money and about giving. And the second foundational principle is that God owns everything. Ultimately, it all belongs to him, and therefore, we are simply stewards. Money, as well as time and gifts and opportunities, have been entrusted to us. And so what we are required to be, according to God's word, with everything that he has entrusted to us, what we are required to be is faithful stewards, because one day we're going to have to give an account for the stewardship of God's resources. And during that introduction last Sunday, after kind of explaining why we're doing it, laying down those two foundational principles, I referred to something that Jesus said and taught as part of a sermon on the mount. You cannot serve both God and money. Which is interesting because of all the false masters 
of all the pseudo-kings that Jesus wants to warn us about, he chooses money. And so I pointed out that money, if you have an NIV version of the Bible, is capitalized. It's there on the screen. It's got a capital M at it. Because you see, money is godlike. Money seeks our worship and can become our master. And this morning, what I want to do is I kind of want to back up and zoom out and look in a little more detail at exactly what Jesus said just before this. Because it really, what he said just before this, really gets right to the heart of the issue. So if you have a Bible, please turn to or look up. It'll be on the screen as well this morning. Matthew chapter 6, and we will stand, if you're able, for the public reading of God's heart-altering word. Let's stand together. This is treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Grab a seat. One of the, uh, one of the main areas of focus in Matthew chapter 6, and in, in this section of the Sermon on the Mount, one of the main areas of focus for Jesus is our relationship with the Father, our heavenly Father. Eleven times the term Father appears in Matthew chapter 6, drawing attention to this incredible and remarkable relationship that we get to enjoy, that we were created for. And so, for example, in Matthew 6, you have the Lord's or the disciples' prayer where we are taught, how do you talk to your Father? How do you talk to your Father in heaven? But in this chapter and this section, Jesus highlights a couple of issues, a couple of temptations that have the potential to disturb and to distract you from your relationship, your heart relationship with your Father. And one of those issues is identified or was identified in what we've just read or heard read. And it's the temptation to seek or to lay up treasure on earth. Recognizing, and, and this is the important bit, recognizing that where your treasure is, is where your heart is, or will be. What you deem as valuable, says Jesus, what you prioritize, what you go after, shows where your heart is. 
And so this morning, I want to ask a couple of simple and yet vital questions. Where is your heart? Or rather, where is your treasure? Which actually is the same question because where your heart is, is where your treasure is. Where your treasure is, is where your heart is. So where's your heart this morning? I know we sometimes ask, how's your heart? But that's not the question I want to ask this morning. The question I want to ask this morning is, where is your heart? And where is your focus? Where are your eyes fixed? And whenever you answer these two questions, you find the answer to the third. You, you discover who or what it is you're serving. So where's your heart? Jesus begins with a, with a pretty explicit warning. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. I mean, I mean it's really straightforward. But it cuts across popular thinking and practice. It's what we tend to do. We accumulate, we add, we build, we extend, we gather, we hoard, we lay up. And if we're honest, it's also what we're encouraged and enticed to do. Everybody does it. Or at least everybody's trying to do it. Maybe even everybody needs to do it, I got an email this week. I get more than one, but I got an email this week from someone asking me, was I going to mention things like putting money away for a rainy day? Like preparing financially for the future? About savings and investments? About debt? Insurance? Legacy issues? The short answer is no. <laughs> Mainly because I can't. I honestly can't. I don't want to, but I can't. But what I would say is that we've got to filter those kind of decisions and those kind of choices because at the end of the day, all of those are decisions and choices that we will make. But we've got to filter those through the lens of God's word and the teaching of Jesus. And so in some ways, it's not about what we do, it's about how we do it that becomes the factor. Do we pray? Do we reflect biblically on decisions around money and finances before we act and make commitments? Do we? Do I? Does culture dictate and squeeze me into its mold? Or do I have checks and balances in place to spark renewed godly thinking? Some of those are huge questions that I received in that email this week. And as I say, I find it really difficult to know how to answer those in this kind of context. But asking those questions, praying about them, 
filtering them through God's word and the teaching of Jesus is in itself, I want to suggest a really good thing to do. Because I'll be really honest, how often do I just spend and change and add and extend and I don't give God a thought. I just do it. Because it's kind of like the thing you do. And everybody else is doing it. And I'm not saying any of it is wrong. I'm just saying, do I think? Or am I being squeezed? Jesus says, do not lay up treasure for yourselves on earth. So why does he say that? Is it because treasure's bad? No, please do not mishear me this morning. Treasure is not bad necessarily. The reason Jesus says this is because it won't last. Can't last. I, I love this proverb. Cast a glance at riches and they're gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. You see, sooner or later, riches and material wealth, treasures on earth will disappear. Either they will leave us while we're alive, they'll wear out, they'll run out, they'll get taken out. That's the whole thing about rust and moth and thief. That's what Jesus is talking about there. So either treasures on earth will leave us while we live, but we certainly will leave them when we die. No, no exceptions. You can't take, you won't take them with you. He who dies with the most toys doesn't actually win. He still dies. And he doesn't get to take his toys with him. You see, as the psalmist declared, do not be overawed when a man grows rich, when the splendor of his house increases, for he will take nothing with him when he dies. His splendor will not descend with him. It's one of the reasons Jesus said, don't store up, don't lay up treasures for yourselves on earth. The reason, you can't take them with you. But maybe more importantly, if I can say that, the reason we've got to be careful about laying up treasures for ourselves on earth is because, get personal, because Jesus just says, listen, see where your heart is. That's where your treasure is. Money and possessions can easily begin to solicit your affection, dictate your devotion. Having and getting treasure on earth can govern your priorities and decide how you use your time. They can become the source of your joy. They can become the reason for your despair. In other words, treasure on earth can and will captivate our hearts. And when our hearts come under its spell, our worship is compromised, our relationship with the Father is threatened and it is weakened, and our service, or rather what we serve, is determined. You see, what masters your heart will shape your thoughts, will shape your choices, will shape your words, will shape your actions, will shape your emotions. 
So what masters my heart? Later on in, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus tells a story. It's a brilliant story. It's a familiar story. It's about someone whose heart has been captivated by treasures on earth, and the implications are stark. And so Jesus says, there's, a, there's this rich man. And he approaches me with a question, and, and he wants to know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Because this is a man who realizes in the sense that there's got to be more to life than this. He is wealthy, he is rich, he has it, but there's got to be more to life than this. So, so what must I do, Jesus, to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, look, keep the commandments. And the man turns around to Jesus and says, which ones? And Jesus suggests seven, including love your neighbor as yourself. And the man turns around to Jesus and says, I've kept all of them. So what's lacking, Jesus? And Jesus turns around to him and says, well, go sell your possessions. And give to the poor. And then says Jesus, you will have treasure in heaven. And at that point, come and follow me. And the man can't do it. Or rather, he can't do that. And so we read, he goes away sad because you see, the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And this man's heart was where his treasure was. It was in his wealth, it was in his money, it was in his possessions and on his treasures on earth. He loved his neighbor as he loved himself. This was not a loveless man. This was, man who did have a, this was a man who did have a heart. He loved others, but he also loved money. And the thought of giving it up or giving it away, the thought of dethroning it. Sorry, Jesus, but that's a step too far. You see, as Scripture teaches, it's the love of money that's the problem. It's not money. This man's heart was taken, and so when it came to loving the Father and having no gods before the one true God, he couldn't go there because something else had his heart. Something else was in control. Something else was too important and too attractive and too tangible and too alluring compared to everlasting treasure in heaven. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And Ra Randy Alcorn, who, who writes a lot about this subject, says that, that the heart always goes where we put our money. And so as surely as a compass needle follows and points north, your heart will follow your treasure. So where money leads, hearts follow. So where's your treasure? Where's my treasure this morning? Because where it is, that's the location of my heart. Olcorn also makes a, an interesting observation. He, he writes that whenever people in a church come to him and say, I want to have more of a heart for mission, he always responds, Jesus tells you exactly how to get it. 
Just put your money in mission and your heart will follow. See, money leads, hearts follow. But back to the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus isn't against storing up treasures. In fact, Jesus is all for storing up treasures. But he says it's where you stockpile them, that that's what matters. Store up for yourselves. So it's not, not for anyone else, for yourself. Store up for yourselves by all means. Store up treasures, but store them up in heaven. And these treasures, whatever they are, because that's the issue, isn't it? When we read a phrase like, well, hang on a minute, what, what are those referring to? Well, we'll get there in a moment. But according to Jesus, they won't run out. They won't wear out. They won't get taken out. These treasures don't get left behind. These treasures that I'm about to tell you about, that Jesus talks about, that Jesus teaches about, those are the ones that don't have a time-limited shelf life. Jesus says you get these, you get to enjoy these now to some extent, but you get to enjoy them forever to, its full, to their full extent. And so there's an element here of deferred gratification, which is difficult, and we, we don't like deferred gratification because we live in an instant culture where we want the gratification here and now, right now. And so the, the idea of deferring gratification and storing up treasure somewhere where we're just not sure exactly where it is and when we'll get to enjoy it is, is a really difficult thing for us to get our heads and our hearts round. But what are these treasures? What are they? Well, heaven is one of those treasures, but maybe that's more about where they're stored up. Eternity is another. The fact that death is not the end and everlasting life in a brand new heaven and earth lies ahead, that's a pretty major treasure. But the apostle Peter also talks about, or he refers to the Christian's inheritance. This inheritance that's uncorruptible, that's undefiled, and that will not fade away, which Peter says it's reserved for every single Christian. So that is part of it. That is part of what Jesus talks about when he says storing up your treasures in heaven. This heavenly inheritance that belongs to every single child of God. The apostle Paul, he refers to rewards that are being built up in, by the life that we lead. So that's another aspect of heavenly treasure. But you know what the ultimate treasure is? Do you know what the ultimate treasure in life is? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. We get to be with him now and forever. And all else peels in comparison to him and the joy of knowing him, says Paul. But that creates a question within me. It's a question I asked last Sunday night at Windsor. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Jesus is our greatest treasure now and forever. And so Jesus urges his followers to store up treasures for themselves in heaven as opposed to on earth. Somebody has referred to this as kind of like the treasure principle. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. You see, whatever treasures we store up in heaven will be waiting for us. Eternity everlasting life. 
an inheritance, rewards Jesus. And the reason for doing that, the reason for storing up treasures in heaven is because, says Jesus again, where your treasure is, is where your heart is. If your treasure is on earth and the things of this world, your heart will be there as well. But if your heart is focused on Jesus and on laying up treasures in heaven, then that's where your heart will be. But then the question is, how, how do you store up treasures in heaven? No point just coming, coming out of these There's No point me standing up here and saying things like that, even repeating G's. I've got to say, what, what does it mean to store up? How do you do that? Well, at one level, given what Jesus is talking about and goes on to say, the answer is really simple. And so I don't want to complicate this. Here's how you do it. You serve God and not money. Simple. When you're generous, when you're a faithful steward, when you give, when you share, you store up treasure in heaven. Setting this in its wider context of the so-called Sermon on the Mount, I strongly believe that when you turn your other cheek, when you go the extra mile, when you speak truth instead of lies, when you are salt, when you're light, when you pray to our Father who is in heaven, when you give in secret, when you love your neighbor, when you love your enemy, when you do not judge, you love Jesus and you store up treasure in heaven. That's how we do it. And that's what Jesus is explaining here in the context of his entire sermon. And I suppose the question I've been asking myself during the week is, how much have I sent on ahead this week in light of my attitude, words, and actions during the past seven days? Because when I spoke a kind word to my girls, to my wife, store up treasure in heaven. When I love those who hurt me and choose to pray for them and bless them, I store up treasure in heaven. So back to our question. Where is your heart or where is your treasure? And then the second question, really quickly. Where's your focus? Matthew 6, 22 and 23 says, the eye is the lamp of the body. You can read the rest of it there on the screen. We read it earlier. Jesus is still talking about the same issue. He's talking about our treasure. He's talking about money. It's in the same section, but he's putting a slightly different slant on it. And so he says, the eye is the lamp of, of the body. And if your eyes are healthy, then your whole body will be full of light. Plus the opposite applies. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body is going to be full of darkness. And here's the point Jesus is making. There's certainly one dimension and aspect of it. In biblical terms, our eyes are the entrance to our hearts and our minds. As such, they are the doorways to our soul. 
And so what we see and what we look at, or rather what we focus on, will profoundly impact the condition of our hearts, our interior lives, our inner landscape. So given what Jesus has just been talking about, treasure on earth or treasure in heaven, the state of your heart will depend upon your focus. I remember years ago visiting a coffee shop in Donegal, and on the back of the sugar sachets in this little coffee shop was a short, uh, was short Irish proverbs. Here was one I came across. What fills the eye fills the heart. You see, if, if money is your focus, if laying up treasure on earth is your focus, then you're serving another God. And we may need, I may need to dethrone him. But if my Father in heaven is my focus, if Jesus is my focus, if I fix my eyes on Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of my faith, as I'm taught to do, if stockpiling treasure in heaven is my focus, if that's what I have set my sights on, then I am serving the one true God because what fills my eye, what I'm focused on, what I'm living for, what I prioritize, what I spend my time going after, that's what fills my heart. So to finish, above all else, this is quite possibly the most important thing you will ever do. Above all else, guard your heart because it affects everything else. How do you guard your heart? By asking yourselves these two questions. Where's my treasure? Where's my focus? And if either are in any danger of being in the wrong place, then, Father, please renew and restore my vision. Please help me to intentionally redirect my stockpiling. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you would be our greatest treasure, our greatest inheritance. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that because of him we can know you, we can enjoy relationship with you. We can call you our Father. But God, we do want to pay attention and hear what Jesus said to us about those things that risk that relationship, those things that distract from that relationship, those things that disturb that relationship. And one of those things is the issue of money. And so, God, I pray that we wouldn't attempt, I wouldn't attempt to serve both 
you and money. Help me, God, to filter the decisions I make this week through your word, through the teaching of Jesus. Because I recognize, I hear you, that where my treasure is, that's where my heart will be. And so, Father, if there are anyone here, if any of us here this morning need to dethrone a particular master, then by your Holy Spirit who indwells us, give us the courage, give us the ability to do that. Because, God, we can't take any of it with us. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.